My message today is going to be on fasting because I really, really believe it's something God has on his heart for us as a church. I'm excited. This, this time of year is, is always exciting for me because I, I get to really just hone in and focus on prayer and fasting. Today, like I said, I'm going to be doing some teaching on fasting because, you know, there, there's a lot of different things out there. But I believe if you want to supersize your prayer life, if we follow, follow the biblical model, fasting is almost always combined with prayer. Well, the fasting we're going to talk about today is the fasting that God talked about. One of the, one of the places he talks about fasting in is, is in Isaiah 58. And if you ever read Isaiah 58, you'll, you'll see the, the nation of Israel basically whining. God, haven't we done all these religious things that you've called us to do? Haven't we sat and worshipped you in your temple? Haven't we fasted and haven't we stopped eating? And haven't we done all this stuff that you called us to do? And, and God finally says, really the fast I choose is that you loose the bond of those impressed. You set those people free. You don't mistreat people. You're generous with people. You, you serve people. He's, and he gives a promise that if you do that type of fast, you will be a rebuilder of cities. How many of y'all know we've been called to this area to rebuild this community? But the only way to do that is to draw close to God. See, it's not about programs that we come up with. It's not about things we come up with. It's not even about this really awesome building that we've been blessed with. It's about the fact we want to hear from God and what he wants. Because when we understand that when we fast, when we pray, when we seek his kingdom first, Acts 5.14 tells us, yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord. Crowds of them, both men and women. And more than numbers, as Christy and I were talking this week, more than numbers than I want to walk through our doors, I want health. I want people who are following, who are getting to know Christ, who are changing who they are, who their hearts are being transformed. Because again, I could, I could bring in and pay a bunch of money for a really amazing lighting sources and really amazing worship and really dynamic speaker who would come in and really get you guys all fired up. And I've been parts of those things. But the problem with that is, are we seeing transformed lives? And see, that's, that's where my heart is. is I don't, I don't want to just fill this place up. I want to fill it up with people who are on fire for God. Because I can't remember who said it, but he said, basically, you give me 10 men who want nothing more than to see God move, and you'll see a nation changed. Versus having a hundred people who are just there. And so when I pray for you guys, I'm praying that as you walk in here Sunday mornings, that God touches your heart. I'm praying that when you walk in, something just rips everything off of your shoulders and says you can receive freedom today. I'm praying that God says, you know, you will have spiritual breakthroughs. You will have, you'll have health breakthroughs. You'll have clarity in your problems. You'll have clarity in your projections or your projects and the people you talk to. You'll see answers to prayer, not just for yourself, but answers in prayer for others. Because again, as, as we jokingly talked about this morning, Jesus came to die for people. It's not about us so much. It's about who has God laid on your heart to just tell your story to. Now, how many of y'all are comfortable sharing your story with just random people? You're like three of you, four of you, not many. Okay, so it's not something comfortable, but that's the purpose of prayer. 
Because the Holy Spirit promises us in his word, I will give you the words you need when you need them. But see, we got to stay connected. And we connect through this time of prayer and fasting at the beginning of the year. And I'm praying that as we go through this 21 days, it, it becomes a habit for you to do. It's not just something you do for 21 days and you can say, woohoo, made it. I don't have to pray anymore. See, we need Jesus every day. And that's next week's message. Okay, because I'm going to go into Matthew 6, 6 through 15 next week and talk about the Lord's Prayer. And I'm breaking down every statement in the Lord's Prayer as we go through it. Because again, the Lord's Prayer isn't a formula for prayer, but it does give us an outline of how to pray. And that's we're going to break down next week. I was going to do it this week, but then I started thinking, okay, we're doing 21 days of prayer and fasting, and if I wait till next week to do it, then you all only got a week to fast. So if I teach on fasting today, see, I'm giving you two weeks. And I don't care if you fast for one meal. Now, when I'm talking fasting, I'm not talking from social media. I'm not talking from computers. I'm, that, that's not biblical because they didn't have those back then. Now, yes, those things are good. When we're talking about fasting, we are talking about stopping eating. Now, if you look at me, that is a sacrifice. Okay, I like food. I like to cook. I've tried to figure out how to juice mammoches <laughs> when I'm making them for my family. I'm like, can I juice this stuff? So, Because I'll always start my fast with a juice fast because I don't eat well. And if I go to a straight fast water fast, I'm going to get sicker than a dog. So I, do, I am telling you guys, if you want to do this, and if God is leading you to fast, please do it, do it carefully and do it properly. Don't just jump into it unless God's telling you to. Okay? So basically, like, what I was doing this week was I would eat at 8 at night, and then I wouldn't eat, or I'd eat at 5 at night, and then I wouldn't eat again until 5 o'clock the next night. So I was doing a prayer like, or a fast like that. So I'm going to be honest. I didn't do a straight water fast. That's why I'm telling you this. Is so you understand that you do what God's calling you to do, and he will meet you where you're at. Now, for me, it's easy because if I come here, there is no food. There's a bunch of water, and there's a coffee pot. There are some bars out there, but I'm not a huge fan of those. So it's not hard for me to not eat those. But as we fast, what happens is we all of a sudden start denying self to receive from God. See, it's really about denying our, our flesh and starting to learn that, guess what? I get to control what my flesh does. It doesn't get to control me. And when we, when we start understanding that, we start to fast and we start to pray, we start to understand Hebrews 10.36 and what it means when it says, patient endurance is what you need now so, what, so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. So see, part of fasting is having the patient endurance to continue to walk through it, even when you're hungry. And understanding that at times in our lives, how many can admit it's hard to forgive people? It, it can be hard not to worry. It can be hard not to have anxiety. It can be hard to see people differently. Because we all live with this flesh. Until Jesus comes back and calls us home, we are going to fight our flesh. And again, now this, the scriptures say, but you are not fighting against flesh and blood, but of spiritual and principalities that are not of this world. Okay, so we're in a spiritual battle. 
And now I will say, and this came from a, a, a friend of mine that I was counseling with about fasting, that yes, stay off of your social media. Why? Because there's a spiritual battle going on. And if you let your flesh even crack that door open, the enemy can come and mess with you. And it is a stronger at that point than when you're not fasting. Why? Because you're trying to push in closer to God. And we all know that one of the easiest times to get tempted is when we're hungry, when we're tired, and when we're spiritually tired. So when you're hungry, the enemy can attack. So that's why the prayer side of this is so important. The spending time with God is so important. Now I have another friend that his wife begged him to stop fasting because he got irritable. <laughs> because when you get hungry, what happens? You get irritable. Okay, maybe just me, I don't know. And so I have to spend time away from, from things because I got to get me right. And so she begged him, he stopped, and God released him of it, and it was all good. But when we jump into Matthew 6 and we jump down to verse 16, when we understand it's hard to forgive, Jesus teaches us how we can have breakthroughs. And he says it this way, and he says, And when you fast, don't make it obvious that the hypocrites do, for they look miserable and disheveled, so people will admire them for, fa for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father who knows what you do in private, and your father who sees everything will reward you. Now, I am, I am telling you guys about the fast that I've been doing, not to say I'm doing anything great because I'm not. I'm saying it to encourage you. I'm saying it because when we jump into our main scripture today, Nehemiah 9, we're going to go through seven principles that we see in, this, in these verses of how God teaches us to fast. And God teaches us to fast with others. He teaches us to pray, and there's power in prayer. As Sean said this morning, you know, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of you. So why are we opening up prayer tonight from 6 to 7? Because we know hell is just shaken when the people of God get together and pray. When Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against him, he meant it. And so when we get together as a body and we start praying together and we start looking at the church of Acts, um, when, when all they were doing, it says they were in one accord. They were worshiping God together. They were just following the teachings of Jesus. And that's all they were doing was, was breaking bread together and they were living life together. What does it say happened? It says the whole building was shook. It, it shook the whole area because people started coming up because the Spirit of God had fallen because they had one thing on their mind and that was Jesus. And when the church gets back and gets rid of the programs, which don't hear me wrong, they are important. But when that's their focus and the focus isn't Jesus, we lose the power of his church. And so that's why, to me, this time of year is so exciting is because it's taking me back to the basics. When he said, seek my kingdom first, I took it literal. And so we're going to take that time to do that. And Ephesians 5.10 says it this way. He says, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. How do we do that? How do we know what pleases God? His word tells us. 
But see, what pleases the Lord from me is different than what's from you. See, we're all called to be disciples. We're all called to go. Those are overarching things, but how we do it is different. And so you need a word from God. You need a a vision from God of what he has for you for your life. Why? Because that gets you excited, doesn't it? When we were looking at this building and it was just a shell, actually before it was a shell, when it had a bunch of little offices and a bunch of kitchen and it had a, a, well, we won't say in case the kids watch this, that, you know, (laughs) we had a cooler back there um, and we have all these areas. I walked in and I could see an idea of what God had for this place. And I started sharing it with people. And what happened when that vision was shared? People got excited because they had a vision. That's why the Bible says people without vision shall perish. God wants to give you a vision for your year to get you excited on how you can serve his church and what he called you to do and what he wants you to do. And when we start pressing into that and we start carefully determining what the Lord wants by prayer, by fasting, by reading his word, by getting together with other believers, you start seeing the church of Acts come to life. And the church of Acts was just all about sharing the gospel message. And the gospel is the good news. And the good news is that Jesus came to die for all people. And the power of that good news was was seen and lived out in that empty grave. See, as Christians, we don't want to just go to the cross. Yes, we go to the cross because that's where Jesus saved us. That's where his blood washed as white as snow. That's where he carried all of my mistakes, all of my sins, all of my shame, all of my guilt, and says, I will take it, and I will pay the price for it because it's a price you could never pay. And I say, thank you, Jesus. And then I get up from the cross and I walk to that empty tomb and I remember that the Bible says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in me. And so I get to walk out in power and authority of heaven because he lives in me. Not because of me. Because I will screw this up. Left to myself, I will mess my life up. And so when we jump into Nehemiah 9, as I want to get into this here, it's we're going to be... We're, Read verses 1 through 3. It says, On the 24th day of the same month, the Israelites gathered together, fasting and wearing sackcloth and putting dust on their heads. Those of Israelite descent had separated themselves from all foreigners. They stood in their places and confessed their sins and the sins of their ancestors. They, um, They stood where they were and they read from the book of the law of the Lord for a quarter of the day and spent another quarter of the day in confession and worshiping the Lord their God. So to understand what was going on at this point is, um, if, you've, if you've read through Nehemiah, if you haven't real quickly, what happens is in the, in the beginning of Nehemiah, Nehemiah is broken because the walls of Jerusalem and Jerusalem is in shambles. How many of all families are in shambles? How many of all friends are in shambles? See, it, it doesn't have to be a physical wall, a physical building. The thing Jesus tells us and is constantly talking about is it's about people. This was a picture of our culture today, of our world today, of our families who are in shambles. And it broke Nehemiah to where he sat and wept. It broke him so much. When's the last time you were broken for a friend who's going to hell? See, take this time of prayer and fast and say, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Because when we understand what breaks God's heart, it's his children who aren't coming home to him. And when we understand 
why Psalm 62, 1 just came up and says, My soul waits in silence for God only. For Him and from Him is my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. My stronghold, I shall not be greatly shaken. See, God gives us His Word. He gives us His life. He gave up His life so we could seek His face for someone else. See, again, we've talked a lot in the past. Our salvation and our relationship with God is personal, but it was never meant to be private. And that's why we get together on Sunday mornings. All of you guys are declaring your faith in Jesus by coming in this morning. Or you're searching for Jesus. That's how I stand up here and see it. Now, if you think you came from another reason because you just wanted to do the check mark on your thing saying, hey, I went to church this week, guess what? I still see you as that you came here this morning to be touched by Jesus. Because that's how I see it. And that's what I expect every week. I expect God to mess with your life. Because he messes with mine every week. I don't want to be alone. I want you guys to say, oh my goodness, you won't believe what God did to me this week. That's what I want to hear from you guys. Because I'm going to share stories of what God did to me. Why I had to come in. I'm not even going to share them right now. I'm going to let you get one first. And so we see the first principle that was happening. And the first principle after Nehemiah was broken. And all of a sudden Nehemiah goes. And he gets a letter from the king and says, guess what? Leave this dude alone. Let him rebuild the walls. But then you have three kings who, who wanted wanted to destroy him, three kings who knew he was going to fail, three kings who were just going to, and here's the world again, because they're all going to tell you, you can't do it, you're not good enough, you don't have enough strength, you ain't got enough resources, you just can't build a church in rice. So you're going to hear all that stuff. But guess what? My God says we can. My God said we can make a difference here. And as the one song that I'm really liking right now, don't tell me he can't do it. I know we can. Do you know God can save the shambles of your life? If not, sing that until you believe it. See, sometimes we got to prophesy over ourselves before we believe it, that God is good. Sometimes we just got to sing God is good when we don't feel it. Sometimes we got to believe that God is going to change history of our families. And what happened here And in verse 1 we see is that the Israelites gathered together. So why am I saying join us in prayer? Because God says get together with other Christians and pray. It says on the 24th day they got together fasting and prayer. And as as Denny Curran and I were talking about it, and, and we believe he's called us to invite you on the journey. See, this prayer and fasting and vision from God isn't just for pastors. It's for his body. And when we come together, guess what? God can give you a vision that is in line with the vision he gave me, that's in line with the vision that he gave any of you here. Why? Because that's what God does. It may look different or say different, but guess what? It builds his kingdom. And so God gives you a vision how to reach out. And see, during these times of corporate fasting, the church needs to assemble in prayer because we need each other. We need to be praying for each other. See, 2 Chronicles 23 and 4 says, Alarm, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. 
The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. See, my prayer is that people come from the 10 miles circle around Rice that we pray for, that he will draw them in so we all pray together. It's not about Bridge Church. It's not about the Catholic Church. It's not about the Lutheran Church. It's about his church. And can we all come together under the banner of Jesus? And as we do that, God says, if my people who are called by my name will just humble themselves and pray, I will hear them from heaven and I will answer their prayers. Now, if God said he's going to answer your prayers, do you believe it? Now, don't expect him to answer them the way you want them answered. He's going to answer them the way you need them answered. As we talked about last week, it's always too soon to stop praying for somebody. So we all have to understand the importance, and including me, of corporate prayer, of understanding when we look at the book of Acts again, the Holy Spirit fell because the body of Christ got together to seek Jesus and wait for the gift the Father had promised. And if you decide over the next two weeks that's left of it that you're going to individually fast, go for it. But if you want to pray and you want times of prayer, let me know and I will come together and pray with you. Because I believe there's power when we get together. The second thing we see in verse 2 is those, Israel, those of Israelites' descent had separated themselves from all foreigners. Now, basically what we're looking at there is Israel cut themselves off from any non-believers' influence. This is where I was talking about the social media stuff and the different things like that. Because y'all still need to go to work, right? Y'all got bills to pay. If you're younger, you, you got to go to school. You can't be skipping school. I did not say that in case any of you guys heard that. Um, you know, you, you all have unbelieving friends and unbelieving families. But what, you wanna, what I want you to understand about this is it isn't cutting these people off. It's not letting them steal your focus on God. Because you still have to do everyday life. See, there's an old saying that, that goes around the church, and sometimes we become so heavenly-minded we're no earthly good. Now see, if all I did was every day come into this building and sit and pray and fast, what good am I doing the world around me? There's always an action plan when God has us pray. He gives us vision to go do something. He doesn't give me vision to just sit in here. Because I could find lots of little projects to keep me busy in here all day. Just because I'm kind of an OCD when it comes to some stuff. And so, I mean, it, it takes me 45 minutes just to make that slide you see out there when you walk in that looks to the bathrooms. Why? Because i got to make sure everything is just right. And none of you even care. But I could, I could do that. Why? Because that's how my brain works. But see, what you, what you want to do is you, you, you may have to cut yourself off for a little while from a certain person that, you know, those relational vampires that just suck the life out of you. Every time you're around them, you leave feeling just, ugh. You may need to cut them off for a while. Okay? Or you may need to turn off the TV shows for a while. You may need to stay off of social media because you want to separate yourself from any ungodly influence during this time. Because again, when you're fasting, there's just as big a spiritual battle between evil and good. And we want to make sure that we're leaning toward the good side. 
And so we want to make sure everything that we're focused on is godly. Impure thoughts will have a deeper effect on you during this time because there's a battle taking place. Romans 5, 8 says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on the Spirit desires. The mind is governed by the flesh, the mind that is governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of flesh cannot please God. And verse 13 says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if the Spirit you put to death, if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the bodies, you will live. See, so the Bible gives us warnings for this and how to make sure we're doing it right. If y'all remember when Jesus got led into the, to the desert for 40 days, he was fasting, right? And what happened? The Son of God got tempted. And so if we're not praying, we're not fasting, we're not seeking God, we become an easy target. And so we want to stay focused. So we want to get together, we want to get separated. The third one is we want to confess our sins. It says the Israelites gathered together fasting and wearing sackcloth and putting dust on their heads. They stood in their places and confessed their sins and, and the sins of their ancestors. See, repentance of our sins isn't being sorry that we got caught. It's saying, I no longer want to live like this. I want to follow Jesus. And you turn from that. But you don't just turn from it. You turn to God. See, when we miss the turning to God part, we just turn from this one and find another one. And honestly, that's, the, that's, that's most addictions is you may be able to overcome one, but there's another one waiting there for you. And as I was talking with Christy about it, addictions isn't just about alcohol and drugs. You can be addicted to busy. You can be addicted to a lot of things. And so don't just think these ones are bad and these ones are okay. Because if in the middle of my prayer and fasting, I get so busy working for God, I forget that I'm working from his love. See, I'm not working for God's love. It's a done deal. At the cross, that was settled. God's love for me, done at the cross. And so I can't work for it, but I darn sure can work from it when I understand it. And again, I'm me. Love the story of Mary and Martha. Martha making sandwiches Jesus didn't order. And she said, Jesus, aren't you going to yell at her and tell her to help me get all this busy, this busy work done? And what's Jesus say? You're so worried about things that don't matter. She's picked what matters. You will always get more work done from lovers than you will from workers. You've heard me say it before. I do things for my wife that I could care less about. Why? Because I love her. Not because she asked me to do it. Not because I'm trying to earn her love. But because I love her. I'm working from the love God's given me for her. And see, we can do that for others but we can't do it until we repent and confess our sins. Because when we hang on to unforgiveness, I'm going to talk more about this next week in the Lord's Prayer, that if we can't confess our sins, we can't be forgiven for our sins. And if we can't be forgiven for our sins, we can't forgive others. See, there is our part we have to do to this. And I had to confess my sins from everything I had done wrong. I had to confess my sins to others. 
You've heard testimonies on how um, sometimes we just have to get together with someone else and talk to each other. And James actually talks about it. He says, you know, if we confess our sins, it says he is faithful in 1 John. And James, it says, get together with other people and confess your sins to one another so you can be healed. But see, it doesn't happen until we're ready to confess it. Now, yes, I can spend time with God. How many know this is true? I can spend time with God and ask for forgiveness of sins, but there's just something different when I share it with someone else. Something frees me a little bit different. Because if it's just between me and God, I'm still in the back of my mind thinking I'm hiding it from everybody. What if they find out what I've done? What if they do? Is it going to change your walk with God? That's what we have to remember. But when I confess it with the brothers, and all of a sudden they don't judge me for it and they pray for me, that's a whole other level of freedom. That's why the Bible says, confess your sins one to another and pray for each other so that you can be healed. Psalm 139, 23, and 24, you've heard this one. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. See, confession is one of the most important things that we do. This will supercharge your prayer time when you start confessing, when we start giving it to God. Because when we can openly confess from our hearts and we can let God reveal things to us and we can start letting things go, it's like cleaning all that junk out of an engine. It just makes it run smoother. But we have to be willing to confess. See, there's power in acknowledging our sins. And there's power even if we don't actually commit that sin. Because you all know sin starts with temptation. Temptation isn't a sin. The action is the sin behind it. So we have to stop it before it starts. And then we have to ask for forgiveness again for our forefathers' sins. And what we see when we break down Nehemiah 1 where I started is Nehemiah saw the problem. He saw what was going on. He saw the nation of Israel he saw that it was in shambles. He saw that nothing good was, go- nothing good was happening there. Hold on a second while I pull it up. And, and, and so he broke down in prayer and fasting. He broke down seeking God. And then when you jump to verse 4, what you see is in verse 4, he says, When I heard these words, I sat down and wept, and I mourned for days, and I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. So the proposition came about after the problem of saying, Guess what, God? I'm broken. So I'm going to seek your face. What do you want to see happen? Nehemiah, in his own mind, probably thought, I've got to go rebuild these walls, but I, I, I can't get an army big enough that's going to take care of any of these people, so what am I going to do? See, some of us jump out and try to fix the problem without getting the answer from God, and we then wonder why it don't work out. See, we got to slow the roll a little bit. we got to slow what we're doing a little bit and seek God. And that's what he did is he mourned and fasted and prayed for days, it says. And then if you jump to verse 12, what you see after he gets through doing this, he said, but, and let me jump down to 12. Otherwise, I'm going to get started on a new scripture. Um, he says, if you'll just seek my face, if you'll gather them together, He says, I'll call them back. 
God says, I'll call the nation back together. They're scattered all over the place. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, those, though those of you who have been scattered were in the most remote parts of the heavens, I will gather them from there and I will bring them to this place where I have chosen to cause my name to dwell. Now, why do I like that verse so much? Because I read the New Testament, and in the New Testament, we are called the, the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are called his dwelling place. And so when I look at this and he says, I have chosen to cause my name to dwell here. Do you understand this morning he has chosen you to live inside of? You didn't choose him. He chose you. And he's chosen to put his name on your life. And so the, the fifth thing we see is God, we want to spend extra time in his word. I'm going to go through these last couple real quick. Because God speaks by his Holy Spirit through his word, through prayer, through circumstances, and through the church to reveal his purposes and his ways. See, when we start dealing with problems, when we start talking with, um, and we start seeing issues, and we start seeing the way our culture is going, do we honestly think we're going to fix it by complaining about it? I've tried it, and it, it don't work. How many of y'all, if you're married, ever tried to fix your spouse? Yeah, good luck with that one. I'm just going to give you a tip right now. It ain't worth it. You ain't going to do it. How many of y'all ever tried to fix your kids, if you've got kids? Well, that's even a worse one to try. How many of you know the power that raised Jesus from the grave lives inside of you and already has the answer for your problems? but we got to seek his face. How many of y'all know that Jesus is the only one who can transform hearts? When me and my wife decided it was time to try to get back together, it was we are going to put God first or it will never work. I didn't say God change her because she's perfect. She might listen to this later. <laughs> I said God change me. And you want to know what happened? As I changed, she did. See, there's got to be action behind what we're saying. We can't just come and I can't just preach a message like this and then go out and be the same. I've got to let God transform my heart. I've got to be changed. And I'm just, I want to invite you guys with it because I don't believe there's any better life than life on mission with Jesus. I just truly don't. It says in Numbers 11:23, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, is there any limit to my power? Now you will see whether or not my word comes true. How many of y'all ready to pray that over some of your problems? There ain't no limit to God's power. What you're walking through is easy for God. And we're going to sing, God is good. You're a good, good father, even when we don't feel it. Because he's going to give the answer. Number six is we need to confess the word of God. It said they, they stood and they were there and they read from the book of the law, the Lord, their God, for a quarter of the day and spent another quarter of the day in worshiping the Lord, their God. They spent a quarter of their day, of the time daily in confession, Now, they only had, they didn't have as long a calendar as we have, so their hours weren't as long as our hours. But it said they spent, I mean, if you look at it, they spent three hours just on confessions. 
They spent another three hours on reading his word. They spent another three hours on worshiping him. If I go over much longer, y'all be looking at your watch. How many y'all ready to give God that kind of time? See, we can't rush through our time with God. Now, yes, I'm going to cut her down. I'm going to shut her down soon. Don't worry, we're not going to be here for 12 hours. Unless God's moving and he tells me to stay here, then I will. But we got to be willing to take the time to spend the time with him. we got to be willing to worship when we don't feel like it. And see, the confessions they're talking about here isn't always acknowledging my sin. It's acknowledging his goodness. See, when we can acknowledge his goodness through our situations, we can start saying, I'm an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. We can start proclaiming, I can do all things through Christ. We can start proclaiming, I am more than a conqueror. We can start understanding better that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We can start proclaiming his word and confessing his word and what he says over our problems. And he says, in my God, so if any of you guys this morning are having problems with finances, God says, in my God shall supply all your need according to his riches. See, you start confessing and proclaiming and prophesying his word over your problems. And then let him show off. As Mark Batterson says, sometimes we just got to show up so God can show off. And so we show up and we say, guess what? As we were sitting here this morning and, and Aiden was playing a new song and we were playing through this song. And, you know, it, it probably is going to end up being my song for the year. Reason to praise. You're the God of the breakthrough when I'm breaking down. I still got a reason to praise you. Because you gave me life because you saved my marriage, because you saved me. Y'all still got a reason to praise God no matter how bad things look today. And so we're going to worship God for who He is, not for what I'm seeing. See, worship is a heart-to-heart communication with God. Jesus said true worshipers worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And His word is truth. And if we can come to the understanding that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life... The lies that the enemy tell me are not truth. What culture tells me is not truth. Because Jesus and truth is a person. And when we understand we're going to worship God in truth, we're worshiping God in the spirit that Jesus gave us with the truth of who he says he is, not what I see my problems today are. And so I start worshiping God. And so as as we look at this, what we see happening in Nehemiah is to see this supersized, supercharged prayer and fasting life, to see things start to change. We got to gather together like we are this morning with other believers. We got to start worshiping together. We got to start high fiving people. We got to start celebrating lives together. We got to start celebrating what God's doing. Because there's enough negativity going on outside these four walls. We definitely don't need them here. Now, yes, will God heal them here? Yes. Do I want you being fake? No. But sometimes you got to be excited about what God's doing before you see Him doing it. Do you think when I got back together with my wife, I expected me to be here today? Not a chance. Even after we got back together and I got saved, you wouldn't, I would, this was not what I had my plan for my life. But I just started worshiping God. I just started praying. I just started seeking his face. 
And then you get the questions. Why do you want to do this? You already play music. You already do all this stuff. Why do you want to do it on a worship team? Why do you want to do it in church? I'm like, it's because I, this is where I feel God calling me to go. This is, this is what really gets me going in the morning. This is what gets me excited. What gets you excited about what God's doing? And then hang on to that. See, when we get excited about what God's doing, our fast takes on a whole other purpose. It's not sluggish. It's not, oh, I haven't been able to eat for three days. We're like, no, you should have heard what I heard from God this morning. I was spending time with him this morning, and he revealed this to me. And we did that this week, a couple of us. I'm like, this is what God's been talking to me about this week. And all of a sudden, I get a little excited. Why? Because there's vision. There's life. So this morning, as we finish this up, what I want you guys to do is, is, is spend time with God and ask him, where do, you want, where, where do you want me in this journey? Do you want me to fast one meal a day? Do you want me to fast one hour a day? Because again, remember, when you take that hour, focus prayer. I'm not asking you to give nine hours like we just saw in Nehemiah. I'm asking you to give an hour. Turn on some worship music and just start worshiping. Turn on some time in prayer and just say, okay, God, I don't know what to say. So you say something. And listen, I filled up like two, two pages the other day of stuff as I was just listening to God. Half of it made no sense until I got done and I started putting it all together. So just start writing things down. When you're with God, when you're listening to God, just start writing down. Don't worry about it if it makes sense. He'll make sense of it later. Just start writing it down. Okay, God, okay, God, I'm not sure why you're telling me boldness today, but because nothing I'm reading is about being bold. But okay, I'll write down boldness. What uh, breakthroughs? What about breakthroughs? Okay, and God's been revealing more and more things. Again, Vision Sunday coming up. I'm believing for breakthroughs and numbers of young families being saved, of, of healings happening, of marriages being restored, of kids coming back to Jesus, of addictions being broke. I mean, I'm seeing breakthroughs for all kinds of stuff, but initially it was just breakthrough. I'm like, okay, God, I don't get it. So I want to just pray over you guys as we finish up this morning. Iden's going to come up and sing us a, a chorus of a song whatever you pick, and, and that's going to be your dismissal. But spend some time this week in prayer. Spend some time seeking God. Spend some time praying for your family. Spend, spend some time, as James 4.10 is saying, just humble yourselves before the Lord and he'll lift you up. So dear Heavenly Father, as we just finish off our time this morning, thank you for meeting with us.